Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Daily Thread. It's a pleasure to be back. I know yesterday there was technical difficulties, so you may have missed us. Oh, really? Um, but, wasn't, yeah. Wasn't, but, wasn't posted yesterday? No, yesterday we, we couldn't even get it because Riverside, the uh, platform which we do this remote, kind of went down for a bit. Really? Um, Is it working today? Yeah, so it's working today. So hopefully people will hear this episode and and um, well, I don't know if they're weak, right? We always appreciate the amount of messages that we get when we don't post no, an episode. That's people, a good, uh, people, it's a good programming, yeah, good programming strategy. Well, let me tell you, see, let right? me tell you when, I, when I'm not in the studio with you, when I'm here. So, you know, I have to find the link that you send. Now, Riverside, by the way, is one of the largest funeral homes in Manhattan. It's one of the largest Jewish yeah. funeral homes. So every time I go into my search and my email for the link for Riverside, I get an update and everybody had died in the last 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I see what time the funerals are. Uh, that's just the Riverside. So uh, you're keeping me up to date on that also, by the way. So I'm just letting you know. That's, that's a fringe benefit. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good to know. Well, you know, as we always do, we start with a little bit of a comment on the weather. It is another cloudy, rainy day here in New York. I don't think I've seen the sun for at least two weeks now. I don't think the sun like... was out last week when I was there. I mean, I left on Sunday. We recorded through last Thursday. I think we were commenting last week how we hadn't seen blue sky in a while. I guess that's the winter in, 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 the, in the Northeast. I don't know. But it's not that cold. You don't have any snow or anything like that. No, it's just a lot of rain and it's and it's just cloudy, just gloomy. Like the whole day is like evening. It's weird. Um, I want to give a shout out. Yesterday, I had a surprise birthday party yes, on from f- from my meaningful minutes staff. Um, I was not expecting it. My my COO Devorlea Ellenberg called a team meeting, and I was like, "What is this team meeting about?" I usually am briefed, and I I know what's going on, and. I come on this meeting and everyone's there and I'm like not sure yet what's going on. And then someone walk, Nissan walks in with a cake and oh, not only that, is. they made a certificate. Oh, really? They made a certificate. Yeah. You know what it says? It says certificate of dedication. This certificate is dedicated to Menachem Gordon. Thank you for partnering with the World Wildlife Organization to dedicate a brand new luxury gorilla cage to our zoos across America. Oh, beautiful. Um, so, you know, idea. like we said, like we said the other day, the one thing I don't want is a gorilla habitat named after me. So that was the joke I think they played on me. They, okay, at least, they fake name. At least they're paying attention. The gorilla habitat. Well, they're paying attention. Exactly. They're yeah. paying attention to what you say. So let's start out um, with I, I, while I was waiting for you to get into your office. Uh, you know, and, and the headline news in the Jerusalem Post today is about a um, 39% of American Jews are. This, a survey found, a survey that was released by the Anti-Defamation League of B'nai B'rith, uh, found that uh, 30% of American Jews are more loyal to Israel than to the United States. 39% of, of world uh, Jews? American Jews. Are more loyal to Israel than the United States. Um, I'm not shocked by that stat. I, th- I think that it's... Uh... You know, a couple, of, a couple of situations that illustrate that point, which is... An interesting dilemma, you know, you know, are you an American Jew or are you a Jewish American? Okay. Now, people don't understand the dynamics of what it means. Of the, the, you know, I'm not talking about secular, non-observant, disconnected Jews. 
I'm talking about Jews. I'm not necessarily talking about yeshiva light. I'm not talking about from Jews specifically. I'm saying that tradition. I'm talking about tradition, okay? What does tradition mean? Tradition means you, you Friday night you make Kiddush and you make hamotzi on the challah and you put on a TV and you watch a football game, okay? I'm not advocating for that, okay? But that's the status, unfortunately, of American uh, Jewry today of a large number of American Jews. Anyway, this survey yeah. released yesterday by the ADL is a survey represented in a sample of more than 4,000 U.S. adults. Ask the extent to which Americans agree with a bunch of different statements about American Jews. Here are some of those uh, statements, okay? 39% yeah. of uh, people who responded to the survey believe that Jews are more loyal to Israel than to the United States. Okay, that's something to think about uh, and something to discuss. Now, the rest of the survey, 20% say Jews have too much power. Okay. That's what Jew some Jews are saying, that Jews have too much power? In the United States, yeah. Now, 20%? 21% claim that Jews don't care about anyone other than themselves. Now, this is not just, not just American Jews. This is Americans. This is an American survey of 4,000 oh, okay. people, okay? Let's go over that again. Wow. 21%. Where do these 4,000 people live? <laughs> I don't know. 21% claim that Jews don't care about anyone other than themselves. And 50 So funny because we're – one second, that Jews don't care about anybody besides for Jews or anyone besides for literally them, their, their individual no, self? No, only, only care about Jews. <laughs> Everybody else can go fly a kite. They, they, care about, they care about Jews. Listen to this. 53% say that Jews will go out of their way to hire other Jews. 100%. Oh, so 100% you agree? we will. So you agree with all the, I, with I, all the stereotypes. I, they, didn't even have, they, well, not, they didn't even have to call you. <laughs> they didn't have to call I you. Agree. I agree. So you don't agree? That, you don't agree? You don't agree with that? These have to be it. The findings reveal substantial beliefs in anti-Jewish tropes, such as Jews are too powerful, selfish, foreign, and clannish. So Jews, they're claiming that Jews stick together. And um, yeah, we we do stick together. We're we're one big family. That family uh, includes, <laughs> you know, probably millions of people. And I think that's our biggest strength. And if that's going to be a criticism you have on us, then we'll take it. We'll take it head on, no problem at all. All right. So you know, sure. Two two of the most outstanding cases over the last many years, of course, was Jonathan Pollard, who was uh, an intelligence an intelligence analyst for the U.S. Navy, and then uh, um, what's his name, uh, Rabashkin. What's his first Shalom Mordechai Rabashkin. And when Shalom Mordechai yeah. Rabashkin went on trial. He was charged with whatever he was charged with, some kind of fraud. But, you know, in, in these types of cases, it's routine for the person on trial to be let out on bail. But the judge in that case refused to let him out on bail. Why? Because they thought that since Jews automatically are entitled to citizenship by virtue of their Jewish birth, they're entitled to citizenship in Israel, that if he leaves the country, he'll be able to go to Israel and become a citizen in five seconds. So they didn't want to let him out of jail. And the same thing with Jonathan Pollard. I mean, it was before you were born. The Pollard case was before you were born, but the great dilemma was, and why so many Jews were repulsed by the Pollard case, uh, was because they felt, oh, it's going to be bad for us, because now they're going to think, since Pollard was a Jew and he spied for Israel against America, they're going to think that every Jew is against America and for Israel when it comes, when they get stacked up one against the other. So 
At the end of the day, Pollock spent uh, 30 years in jail because of that. Listen, those stats don't bother me. They don't. Like, you know, we – I saw a stat that, that Jews make up a very high percent of altruistic kidney donations. So, like, I don't know, whatever. Those stats don't bother me. Good for whatever. The ADL needs well, to be busy with something, I guess. I, don't know. I pointed it out in the past that kidney donations is not a good example. I know, um, yeah. I know Mendy Reiner, I think I mentioned this on this program from Renewal. And there was a, there was a church in the South, I think South Carolina, that invited him down there to talk about altruistic uh, organ donations. And he said that they didn't get it. They didn't understand. Why would a healthy person volunteer to have a healthy part of him taken out of his body and put in another person? And then he also found, after he had the meeting there, and the people down there couldn't connect the dots, he felt there's something unique happening in, I'm not saying this is a, a criticism of non-Jews, but uh, in, in, the, in the general community in the United States, you have a lot of shootings and stabbings, you know, so you have good kidneys. That are, if they're not stabbed in the kidney, if they're stabbed in, if they're stabbed in the heart, for example, or shot in the chest, yeah, but think, they have a good kidney, so they can harvest the kidney. I think, you don't have too many of those cases in the from community. I think I think that was disproven. I think I think what one of our listeners disproven? emailed us and no, what that, your theory? My theory. Okay, listen, theory. I'm just I'm just recounting something that I read at the time. Anyway, next, so, uh, next something uh, that is something that is going viral on Twitter. Yeah, this is why. Um, I guess they're on. They're on. They're on to the next case. <laughs> is uh, a personality, a Jewish personality, a podcaster tweeted. Uh, her name is Hanala Music. She tweeted. Or not, not her name on Twitter is Hanala Music. Yeah. She wrote, "We cannot afford. We cannot afford to risk Jewish identity for the sake of Jewish unity. It's too high of a price to pay. The Torah is the Torah, Israel, God, and the Jewish people are one. Any denomination that pra- that practices a version of Judaism that eliminates or redefines any of the four is not practicing Judaism. Judaism, and then obviously, you know, there's a, a lot of that. That tweet got ninety five thousand views. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She then follows up by saying, "Judaism is a fair and balanced religion." <laughs> mm-hmm. If you want the privilege, the privilege of being part of the tribe, by all means, embrace everything it means to be a Jew, including the 613 mitzvahs to the best of your ability. Light Shabbos candles, put on tefillin, keep kosher, marry another Jew. Judaism is not not a free for all. And she was met with a lot of criticism, a lot of criticism from, I would say, more modern slash conservative slash reform Jews that are saying. Um, there is not one way to practice Judaism. There are many ways to practice Judaism. Yeah, okay. And... Well, that's the argument. You know, I you know, people think that uh, the dispute between the current uh, Netanyahu government, with, which we've mentioned here many times, which is composed of a lot of Orthodox Jewish members of the Knesset, uh, they think that the dispute with the non-religious communities, American Jews, is over religion, over keeping Shabbos, over keeping kosher. But you know what? That's not the case. The the the, the um, Reform Jews, uh, the Reform Jewish leadership is not at odds with religious leaders like uh, Moshe Gaffney or uh, or Itamar Ben Ben Gvir or Basal Smorich because they're Shabbos Shabbos and the Reform Jews are. That isn't the case. You know what the case is? The case is that the Reform Jewish community in the United States is aligned with organizations that are anti-Israel. That one hundred percent. They're aligned with organizations like J Street. They want to see a two-state solution. They want to see Israel shrunken in size. They want to see Jews with less rights in the land. 
So that's not the, it's not a religious issue. It's not a religious divide. It's not a religious dispute. If someone is uh, uh, associated and friends with your enemy, how are you supposed to respond? So somebody responds to this tweet. They say, reform Judaism is Judaism. And uh, an account responded to that person uh, said, orange juice is pizza. <laughs> Which 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 is it Judaism or Judaism? <laughs> is it a or is it named Judy? Is some, are we talking about someone named Judy or we're talking about Yiddishkeit? Judaism? No, it, it's, it's just so funny. Reform Judaism is Judaism. No, I'm saying orange juice is pizza. So if you reform orange juice to be pizza, it, it's it's still not pizza. I mean, like no, there's a big difference <laughs> between people that follow someone named Judy, which makes it Judaism. Or Judaism, which is Jewish way of life. So you have to really uh, make yourself clear. If it's Judaism, uh, what do you think? If it's Judaism, Ju Ju there's a lot of is a, it a, a lot of Jewish girls named Judy. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Jewish, are, are, do we choose Jewish unity, or do we choose protecting, you know, what we believe is the real way to practice Judaism, which is Orthodox Jewry? Uh, is it about unity about of all Jews, or is it about um, the, the you know, covered respect, covered Torah, covered Coach Mayim. Like that, you can't like you can't just say uh, people who are Listen, transgressing and doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. We, we had an employee for many years at the Five Town Jewish Times. He retired a couple of years ago. He, you know, he's not going to say his name. He worked for us for ten years. He got along great. He was a great guy. We're still friends today. He was very active in his reform temple. And he believed that his reform brand of Judaism was the same as my orthodox brand of Judaism. It was just different, but they're equal, but they're the same. That's what he believed. You know, he thought he's no worse of a Jew than I am, and that it was wrong for me to think of myself as having something better than him, because he felt that he was a, let me put it this way, a from reform Jew. He was committed to reform Judaism. As a matter of fact, I went to his went to his son's wedding, and the whole wedding was straight. They got me an airline meal. They got me a kosher airline meal at the wedding. So, so how could he like that? That is so the opposite of, of what Judaism is about. No. It's about following the, the Torah and following our mitzvahs, and, well, I, and you can't I, just ignore that. Listen, I'm not an expert on reform Judaism. I'm not an expert on anything, by the way. But on reform Judaism. They believe the, – the fundamental difference is that Reform Judaism believes that over the millennium, over the last couple of thousand years, uh, Jewish life has evolved. It has to change with the times, okay? And Orthodoxy remains steadfast in their commitment to Torah from Sinai. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, look. Yeah, that's this is the front page of today's Wall Street Journal, okay? Okay. Once you get down in Florida – and it's not. And it's called not. not it's not called the uh, Collins Avenue uh, Journal. It's Wall Street Journal, which is in New York. Just like the Five Towns Jewish Times, which is available in Florida, is not called the Florida Jewish Times. It's called the Five Towns Jewish Times. Okay. Anyway, people ask me all the time, how come the Five Towns Jewish Times is in Florida? It's not a Florida paper. Hello, here's the Wall Street Journal. Anyway, it says here. <laughs> I want to get that point out of the way. The New York Times is also available mm -hmm. down here. It's not called the Florida Times. It's called the New York Times. Sacred Jerusalem, Jerusalem site becomes flashpoint, okay? It's an important issue. It's on the front page of today's uh, Wall Street Journal. Uh, I got the fact that uh, 
the status of the Harabais is becoming an important international uh, issue. So I don't want to go into that again because we've discussed it, I think, fairly much at length over the last few weeks. But a very top uh, police official in Israel said that he asked him, what's the impact of Ita Ben-Gvir becoming the public security minister in the new uh, Netanyahu government? What what has changed? What has changed? Um, what has changed the fact that he became the public information minister? And uh, he said that there's less crime and less terror in the Arab communities because they are afraid of what Ben Gvir might do. So just the fact, really? just the fact that he's there, has reduced the amount of terror and the amount of crime because they are afraid. In previous times, they knew. They were going to be able to get away with it. But when you have a serious guy uh, in, a, in a high position, when, when yeah. you have a Netanyahu as prime minister, as opposed to um, someone like Lapid or, or Bennett, just they don't have to do anything. All they have to do is be, and it sends a message. And uh, It also has, also has the potential to lead to more terrorism, no? How so? I mean, so... They know that they know they're going to invite a greater crackdown on their communities, and um, I don't see. Abba, I mean, any time, any time that you know, organizations like Hamas or 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 any terror terror cell operating out of Gaza has committed any attacks, they do know that Israel is going to pummel them and strike back hard. That hasn't really stopped them in the past. Well, but you know, when Israel does that, they always, they always, they always, they always compromise. They never, they never do it all the way. Uh, they, they go up to a point and, and no further. And the troublemakers and the uh, that's the great debate. The great, the great debate is, is how many times are we going to play ping pong? How many, how many times are we going to go three years, no war, and then an all-out war where Israelis are being killed, and then we just like we, we take Gaza. To the edge, but then we, we then we let them live a little bit, a little bit more. Listen, there was a time when Ariel Sharon was either defense minister or prime minister, when terror was at a, 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 a at an all time high. He sent troops into all the Arab towns in Judea and Samaria, and they took them over. And um, eventually, he withdrew because I think George W. Bush was the president at the time, and Bush was very uh, upset about it, and he made an announcement, if you Google, look it up, he made an announcement, he told Sharon, get your troops out of the Arab towns. People feel for some reason that these Arab towns in Judea and Samaria are allowed to do whatever they want, and they almost have like a, uh, a constitutional right to, uh, to, to make trouble and to harm uh, and, and hurt Jews in some way. But that's not something that Israel should tolerate. And when they demonstrate that they're not tolerating it, the result is that it's going to happen less, not more. That's that's important. Okay, uh, I I hope so. And our our last story of the day, no, the have, most important more, story, probably. More, you have one more story. I have one more story too. No, th- this this is your story. This is about the Seven Eleven. Oh, oh, you saw it. You got you saw my story. Anyway, I got I got I got. Okay, what what you want to say? Yeah, I hacked into your phone. I saw your last story. You hacked into my phone. I hacked into my phone. Anyway, my, my friend Shalom Pollock, who lives in Israel for many years, who writes for the paper occasionally, uh, there's a story this morning that the first 7-Eleven opened up in Tel Aviv on Dizengorf Street. Now, to me, there's, a seven, there's two 7-Elevens right here, like a half a mile from, 
here in Boynton. They're all over. They're all over the world. The Seven Elevens, and yeah. I personally think they make the make the best coffee. You know, even in the Five Towns, there's a lot of places that make coffee, but uh, just Seven Eleven just knows how to make coffee. I don't, I don't know what the formula is, but they make they make excellent coffee. And same okay. and the same thing here. You get a good, solid, tasty uh, cup of coffee. It doesn't it's not too watery. I find Starbucks, besides being expensive, they, they all taste the same. All the Starbucks coffees, they got fancy names to them, but they all taste the same most of the time. Just like water, and you got to put a lot of sweetener in there to sweeten up the water. But that's a that's a maybe just a five towns problem. I don't know, but um, okay. I, I don't go into Starbucks usually. Uh, but Seven Eleven always makes me uh, every time I pass a Seven Eleven, I think to myself. You, do I feel like having a cup of coffee now or not? You know. Anyway, my my friend Sean Pollock, uh, who writes for the paper occasionally and lives in Israel, uh, an, he wrote in a column that I just got today that hasn't been published yet. That the television uh, Street has the first Seven uh, Eleven, and it's expected that there'll be several hundred that will be opened over the next three years in Israel. And uh, really, and someone in one of the Israeli newspapers said. Um, uh, he said, I just returned from New York and I feel like I was still there because he had 7-Eleven coffee. And Shalom did not like that. He didn't like it. He didn't like the idea that a person comes to Eretz Yisrael and all the uniqueness and all the specialness associated with Eretz Yisrael and, uh, and he's uh, what's he aspiring to? He's aspiring to feeling like he's in New York. You know, When you're in Israel, you, you're in Israel. You, 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 don't want, you don't have to feel like you're in New York even though you're entitled to your 7-Eleven coffee. Anyway, you don't drink coffee, as we know. Yeah, So I don't. So it's like, I don't know, it's like, uh, who am I talking to? Is there anybody else there I can talk to? <laughs> I, maybe the people listening. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully them. But um, very exciting. That is our episode for today. That is our last episode for this week in January of today's January 12th. We'll be back at you with another episode on Monday. Make sure to send us an email. Subscribe to our WhatsApp status account. The link is in the description, the show notes. We should say one more thing about this week's Pasha, if you don't mind. Go for it. Pasha Shemos, okay? Yeah. What does it say, Pasha Shemos? It says that, you know, Avram, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu came out and he saw uh, uh, an Egyptian fighting with a, with a, with a Jew and uh, he tried to intervene and he ended up killing the guy because he was attacking the, the Jew. And uh, then the next day, he saw two other Jews fighting, and um, and uh, uh, he tried to break up the fight. Turns out it was uh, you know two Jewish personalities from the Torah, and they made a comment to him when he tried to break up the fight, as it's recorded in this week's parsha in the very beginning. He said, "What are you going to do to us? You're going to kill us like you killed the guy yesterday?" And it said, right. the Torah says, "Vayira Moshe." Moshe became afraid. Because he realized that the uh, what happened the day before became known, and that Pari was after him, wanted to kill him. So what? Well, what is the pshat that Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest man who ever lived, Torah says there was never a man on the level of Moshe. What does it mean? Moshe became afraid. How, how does someone that has this kind of connection to Rabbanu Shalom, by Yira Moshe, how does he become afraid? And the pshat is that because he became afraid. That's why it became known, and that's why Pari wanted to kill him. Had he not demonstrated any fear, he would have had the confidence in what he did, then it wouldn't have become known, and Pari wouldn't have been after him. 
So it all starts, the shot is, it all starts with where you, whether you're afraid or not. So as long as you have Muna and Betachem, you have faith in Hashem, you don't have to worry about being afraid, and you shouldn't be afraid of anything and have a very good shot with everybody. Beautiful. We'll see you all next week.